0: and gentlemen rebel scum and loyal to the empire this is Sith Talk the show that talks about Star Wars movies Star Wars TV Star Wars comics Star Wars books we talk everything Star Wars I am your host Zach Chrisman and aka the Lord of Lore and joining me is the lady of lore Lindsay Lindsay how are you doing
1: I'm good I like that you almost forgot your own intro
0: I, I, you know, it gets pretty, uh, you know, I, I know how to turn it on, but then occasionally your brain just like completely lags and you're like, okay, why am I, why am I doing this? And it's like, uh, in my job, you know, I have to follow through and call people back for, you know, scheduling estimates. So I, I essentially say the same spiel all the time, but it's really funny because Sarah will be in the room with me and sometimes I will get like distracted for a second and then just like scramble to do something or say something that i've said like 15 times already that day
1: see my thing is i have a work phone number and then obviously like my own personal cell phone number and i can't tell you how many times i've left voicemails and then i hang up and i'm like crap which one did i just leave them and like Luckily, you can go back and listen to voicemails. I so many times have combined the two where I start to leave like the first three digits of my work number and then follow it up with the last four digits of my personal number.
0: Right. Yeah. That's exactly... I mean, I I have the same phone. I want a work phone and a personal phone. But... We just haven't, my, my family business has not evolved to that kind of level of mentality yet. So it's like, it's all on one right now. And I hate it just because, you know, I've gotten really bad at replying to people about things. I make things. So if I tell you I'm going to be somewhere, I will always be there. But replying to like little friend threads, it's like, ew, I can't, I I can't, I can't keep up with that. And that's, you know, it's something that me and you have talked about dozens of times, uh, just because we boss, we boss ass bitches. Yeah. But yeah, so I'm, um, you know, I'm on my, I mean, by the time we're recording, I will be in Texas. So I'm excited for that, but we got a lot of star Wars. excited. Oh, I did want to tell you that I did start, um, Shadow of the Sith. That's right,
1: yeah. And you're loving it too, right?
0: I am absolutely loving it. So I'm not binging through it because it's one of those books where like normally when it comes to normally when it comes to Star Wars books, if I'm commuting and stuff like that, that's fine. Like I, I don't mind listening to the book while I'm commuting. In fact, I enjoy it, but when I have work stuff on my mind, you know, sometimes I'll like kind of fade in and out. With this book, it's taking me longer to get through simply because if I don't feel like I'm actually paying attention to the book and my mind is somewhere else, I just turn it off and I leave it be because there's I want to pay attention to everything that's in this book And you know I know you guys have your review you know I'll eventually talk about my full review but I'm at about probably a little either the halfway or a little less halfway and I think this book is everything, as far as like the the main canon, so when it comes to High Republic, I love books. Like I love those books. I think the High Republic books are amazing. Ahem, there should be movies. Ahem, TV shows because they're so ahem unrelated to the ahem main story of Star Wars that they can actually do things. And I've told you guys uh, listening in the past that I felt like the books had very good characters that I fell in love with. But the stories had to be contained. I feel like this story, Shadow of the Sith, is not contained. I mean, I feel like it, it is very much written like this story matters. Like it's important. Like it almost should have been in the sequel trilogy at some point. Like, just because there are a lot of actual... Pieces of ed- evidence that that like actually pertain to the the ongoing story. There's important information. It changes and and um, accents the sequels so much, particularly with uh, Ray's story so far, where yeah. I'm at, and just kind of knowing certain things that I know. And there is very cinematic. There's very cinematic um, points. In, in this book that I quite literally was overwhelmed by that they actually went there and I'm not well, even I'm, through the book
1: I'm excited then for you to listen to mine and Brandon's discussion on it and I guess a shameless plug here for my other show Don't Burn the Sacred Text which can also be found on your Clashing Sabers uh, feed but that's that's really something that we hammer into a lot is did this really, or should this have really come out before Rise of Skywalker because it adds so much, or does it? Would it have maybe fallen a little bit flat before Rise of Skywalker because we didn't have it in this context? Um, so that's that's a really big discussion. But I think overall, now that you know it's 2022, there's nothing we can do to change anything that, <laughs> that happened or didn't happen three years ago. I think this is one of the few, few, few pieces of material that have come out that I would say is required reading for a Star Wars fan. I think in in their minds, you know, Bloodline was supposed to be required reading. Uh, Catalyst, I would say, is the really the only other piece um, that that is required to understand everything going on in a movie. It's Catalyst and Shadow of the Sith. Only in my mind's Shadow of the Sith is so much better because it has really what what I'm interested in and what I like.
0: Yeah, and I mean, especially for you, um, somebody who actually really, really likes Rise of Skywalker, I can't imagine that this makes it even more enjoyable to watch, which, I mean, like, for me, I think the book still makes this more enjoyable to watch. I'm just saying, like, there there is some pieces in here that would have been important to a sequel trilogy because they actually answer in my opinion they answer things that the the film simply did not have time yeah. to answer i that was we definitely should shocked
1: have. by that yeah because i think we fall into this trap of so many times whenever there was a, a new star wars book that have com- that comes out we all fall into this trap of oh my god you know it's going to be groundbreaking and it's going to answer all these questions and it's going to shed so much light and more often than not, it just doesn't. And that's not to say that these books are are bad by any means. It's just to say we have different expectations for what we get, and we sometimes forget to enjoy books just as they are. But this really does answer questions, which is becoming more and more rare throughout the, the subsequent material.
0: Yeah, absolutely. And speaking of um, Star Wars material, there is a TV show out called Andor. And we Which have. Apparently, gotten,
1: not many people are watching or know about.
0: <laughs> you know, I think that's going to be one of those things. You know, I, I did read the reports on that. And I, I think that's going to be one of those things where it will slowly add and add more as time goes on. Um, and I because it it's ultimately is a good show, and word of mouth is going to spread. Yeah. And people will so. eventually catch on to it. It's not a flashy character, though. I mean, like, that's what we were thinking. Um, you know, why are they making a Cassian show? That's a question that everybody's asking. And it's gonna. it might take people a little bit longer to get there. But the one thing is this show definitely writes Star Wars completely different than even some of, like, the, you know, everybody always defends the book writers of Star Wars. And I think they should. But I think the show takes it, writes things different than even the book writers who are arguably the most like inside canon people of Star Wars. Now, this show is not like a canon junkie's like dream, but it's just there, there's a lot of original takes on this. And it it goes down to me again saying that I think Tony Gilroy not being a fan actually benefits Star Wars in this Mm -hmm. situation. Um, so in this episode, uh, we left off with, I uh, should say if you've not seen episode 8, definitely uh, skip towards later in the episode. Um, you'll have to take a guess because I don't know when we're going to wrap this one. But we are talking spoilers. So with that being said, episode 8, we start off with Cassian starting his, his prison stunt, his time in the clink, should I say. And... I don't know about. I, I would love. I would love your thoughts on that whole thing because uh, ultimately, I feel like when it comes to Cassian, nothing but despair happened in this episode for him. I, I didn't think. I didn't know what he gained in this at all. I think this was more of the rebellion characters episodes. Um, I, I but I will say that the way they wrote the imperial prison was completely original. Lindsay, thought.
1: it's so original. So it was, it was original. And I think it's going to be important to the character later on, even if nothing, you know, really monumental seemed to have happened to Cassian in these moments. I do think, well, as, as this season and any uh, seasons coming out really start to unfold, I think we're going to see, this is more and more of the thing where he can point to, and he may be like empire bad. This isn't good. Um, but yeah, I mean, the, the whole concept of that prison was so unique and so crisp and really caught me off guard because I even fell into the trap a couple of times where I was like, this doesn't seem too bad. And then right. it was. It was so shocking. But I think the important thing with these episodes with the prison scenes is not so much, you know, Cassian character development that I do still think will come later on. I think it is to show the fact that they're they're sitting here, these prisoners, saying, "Here is this monumental thing happening. We're worried about this." And then we have the Monmouthma party scenes where she's talking about it and saying, "This is bad. This is an overreach." But you then clearly have the Cassian Andors who are probably more in line with the general public and they have no idea that this thing is going on and they have no idea that there's this public decree that's going to double everyone's prison sentence for really no reason. And here are these negative effects of the rebellion. And I think that is such a cool, cool concept for the show to not just show here's this rebellion, here are these heroes, but we'll get into, you know, the the saga of it all. Um, but, but to have these, immediate consequences of early rebellion action that are so detrimental that maybe you could understand why some other people are just thinking, Hey, empire is bad. Rebellion is good. It really is just such a gray line.
0: It's a gray line. And it's also, um, you know, it's, it's horrifying. Like hearing, these prisoners, well, I mean, one, you know, it's just how easy, easily Cassian got, you know, in the prison in the first place, like how he even got sentenced on the, these bullshit charges. Um, you know, that was astonishing, but then to find the hopelessness and how these, these people were like really hungry to find out what was going on with that bill being passed. They were clinging on and wanting to know every single word And feeling the, you know, I love it when, the the thing about the Empire is, I I, what I love about this prison is everything in it is super white, super clean. You think white is like, promotes light, promotes cleanliness, promotes happiness. Like, I know that when we changed our walls in our main living area in our house from the gray to the white... Me and Sarah's moods lifted up. So everything looks bright and happy, but it's a prison and it's hopeless. And the way that they've designed the floors, designed the the actual, like of course the Empire would come up with a game to reward those who are doing great. And of course that reward is not really a reward. It's really just like, oh, we threw some fucking basil on your protein shake or uh, a little extra chalk in there. It, you know, it's a half reward, but then they also want them fed and hydrated so that they can keep productivity. I thought that was very interesting because normally like the Hollywood tropes of prisons are we don't eat, we don't, we work all day. And it's like, no, we're going to keep you fed and, and, uh, you know, have nutrition because we want you to work. And that is why you're here and your sentence, your little number doesn't mean shit. So I think while Cassian didn't do really a whole lot in this story, I think it's teaching him a lot. While he did not do anything as a character, it's teaching him a lot. And I really appreciated that as much as I kind of wanted him to break out, I thought this episode he would be breaking out of prison. I'm really glad they didn't do it. And I think that the way they designed the prison was one, unique and original, but also... Um, you know, it's like he's eyeing those shoes. But when you think about, uh, at the beginning, like when the floor is, you know, the floor's gonna be hot, he knows the shoes would, would protect him from the floor. It's a very original idea, because it's like, how the fuck do you like, you can grab a blaster real quick and start firing, duck for cover. How do you put shoes on quickly? Hmm. That's, I mean, think about it. That That's yeah. a very original way of doing things. These aren't like but I mean, also though,
1: it seemed like he didn't really <laughs> it seemed like he didn't really want to like that wasn't really a thought that crossed his mind
0: oh he was looking at those shoes for like five seconds before he got down into that um into the factory area he was eyeing them. he was eyeing them a couple times uh, but it's like how, how the not, fuck do you put not on enough shoes? that
1: you're gonna sit there and be like oh this is where the episode is going but i want to say too like one of the things I thought was so cool about that whole prison idea, and this is, I think, that kind of gray area, too, where it's just like it's not all bad, is that the the Empire wasn't just punishing people. There was that reward system, right? It wasn't just like, oh, I want to do well because I'm afraid of being shocked. It was, I want to do well because I would like to taste my food.
0: Yeah, which is an interesting kind of take on... Reward, and I thought—I mean, I, I thought it was really interesting that Andy Circus came back. Yes, and that was such a pleasant surprise. You would think Andy Circus would play like a huge role, but he's really just like this punk dude. But I—I I feel like I feel like they're gonna have more to his character. And if I were to guess, I would say that his character is in uh, denial and is just doing everything he can to get to that point to get out, but I, I don't think he actually believes he's going to get out.
1: Yeah. I don't think he does either. And I think any hope that anyone has is like fading quick.
0: Right. Absolutely. So, I mean, getting, getting into the, you know, the Mon Moth epi- part of this episode again is, is very fascinating uh she really does not have a marriage and like nobody respects her husband uh at this point and i'm not thinking anybody should um you know I, you got to learn that you know they got married when they were 15 and um that he was once a respected person that maybe um, succumb to the comforts of government living all these years. I mean, you learn a little bit more about him. But really, this is about, um, what is it, I uh, How do you pronounce it? The, the Tan? Skarsgård.
1: Oh, I wasn't even thinking that um, before we even get there. Okay. I think it's interesting to note, I don't think the husband is really the, the one to talk about and keep our eye on. I am very interested in the daughter and why she, you know, like, I think, and at least I hope that her constant, you know, please excuse me from like every dinner and every party. I hope there's something brewing there. And I think that anything else would be like a cool red herring because I I wouldn't be shocked if her husband, like, isn't a bad guy. He's just complacent. And he's kinda lazy and he doesn't really love Mon or anything like that.
0: No, but that's kinda worse. It.
1: Yeah, but I think I think or at least I hope there's something bigger going on with her daughter. Whether her daughter is maybe interested in becoming a rebel herself and just wants to hide it from her mother, or if her daughter is more of an extremist and really into the empire. Like I I would just like for there would be some reason why we have the constant, you know, here's the daughter at the party asking to be excused. And it's more than just a teenage, you know. Oh, I don't like that. My mom's in politics.
0: Yeah, either that or she just goes out and parties and has, like, a huge, like, booze dependency now. I mean, I could see it going either way. Like, something, like, really smart with what she's doing. Um, and I, I like the aesthetics of her look, too, because I was noticing – like, in this episode, I'm like, huh, that is a very Bastilla Shan, like, mm-hmm. haircut. Like, all right, not haircut, but uh, hairstyle. And so I thought that was cool, because, like, there is some stuff in here that has many different yeah. cultures. Do you know,
1: I actually had to do a double take in, what was it, episode seven? Um, the scene where Clea is talking to Vel. And they're having like the little secret rendezvous, and you know, where's the money? Where's this person? Why isn't Skarsgård here? I had to do a double take and like pause and really look. I was not sure if that was Leda the daughter or if that was Clea At first, they are those two actresses have really similar facial features.
0: Yeah, they do. They they are very very close, Um for sure. And I I think that's a good take that you have because. I think in any kind of writing you have to write a character not in any kind of writing, but in, in stuff like this style of writing, um, you know, it, it very much seems like this you know, it's always the character you sleep on that surprises you in the end. And so I think that's a really good thing that you're that you're watching out for and I, I think I'm just gonna put a flag in that because I I have no idea, but I'm gonna let you watch out and see how that unfolds when it comes to um you know, Mon's daughter. Um, what if, yeah, I don't know. Maybe, maybe she is doing rebel shit and maybe she gets killed in the process. And then that's what sends Mon from this tippity dippity stuff. I mean, we don't know. I mean, do we know right now? I mean, is the show going to be the thing that shows us how Mon goes from, um, in the Senate to rebel leader, like, is this the show or. I mean, was Mon already the like,
1: I think was, it is the show, not in terms of this is the Mon Mothma origin story, because I do think after the last two weeks that this is becoming more of like a spy thriller, right? Like, this is some Tinker Tailor Soldier spy shit going on. But I do think that if anything, we're going to see it as a way oh man, I forget the literary term for this. Not like an allegory, but, but kind of just a way for her to represent everyone else who is becoming more and more extreme. Because the fact that all in one episode, we have her going from good, prim, and proper, you know, oh my God, how can you do this? To her saying, you know, and, and quoting back, I think you might find my taste in politics a little extreme. And I think we're going to see... I do think we're going to see that. But again, not in a way to be a this is the Mon Mothma origin story, but just in a way to symbolize other people in the galaxy who are starting to feel the same.
0: Yeah, so... Moving past Mon Mothma into uh, Luthan Rail's story, we kind of pick him up kind of dealing with the ramifications of what he's done and where he wants to take things. And upon that you know there's conversations with him and his uh partner at the store and you know he's kind of like on the brink of a lot of different things and we eventually see him head to saw guerrera's uh latest hiding post Mm -hmm. and those two have a conversation about um what is what is the uh planet in which cassian and them raided the bunker sorry
1: Oh my God! Um, Al, 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 see who with an A. God damn! Oh my,
0: yeah. Okay. Anyway, yeah. the bunker and what did what did you think about that entire like that entire conversation of um and Rail and Saul Guerrero talking?
1: That one, I feel like I didn't fully appreciate until my second time around. Because um, the first time I watched it, it had that. You know, shock and awe factor of oh my god, there's there's saw there's Forest Whitaker. Like, look how late you look. How young he looks. <laughs> like that, right. That whole thing. The, the second time, I think that's when I really got to boil down and appreciate the nuance and what that conversation meant, and remind us that there is no alliance yet. There are just different factions, and everyone is operating on their own. But. I think the difference here is I thought this show was going to be more about strategy and tactics and formation and really becoming an alliance. Whereas this is much more of a very similar to his discussions with Skeen and with, um, what's his face, the kid who died, who I love. Um, it's, it's such an idealistic show. And it really boils down to kind of the philosophy of things, which I think is just such a surprising and cool concept. And it makes me sit and wonder too, like, yeah, of course, we as fans sit here and and growing up with this, and we know Rebels are good guys, and, and that's that. But it makes me wonder, like, look, if all of this was happening in real life, who would I align with? And what would I really think? And who has the point? knowing what they know you know it's always interesting saying oh this person you know is the bad guy but maybe this person doesn't have the information we have and maybe we don't have the information they have so i think it's it's an eye-opening conversation not just in terms of plot of the show but in terms of theme of the show
0: yeah i would agree and i love that the Okay, so with this conversation, I I think this is what I like most about Andor so far is conversations with characters. It's very much like not the action spectacle. Um, It is, but I'm saying not for me. For me, it is very much these conversations that characters have. And when you have Forrest Whitaker and Stellan Skarsgård in a Star Wars project sitting down and just vibing off each other's years worth of acting charisma you truly get magic because even on the first upon first viewing of this scene it's like you can tell that they're vibing off each other as actors and the layer of bullshit that they are selling each other in these conversations is so much fun to watch and I think it's also like while there is a layer of bullshit between these guys while there is some form of respect it also does double down on like you said that this is not a united rebellion yet and these are completely two sides two completely different sides of the same coin And that, and seeing how they are going to unite those people, even though we know that Saw, we know where Saw's story goes—that he never really fits in with the rebellion. It's still fun. It's a fun reminder that this thing is raw right now. There's these are uh, good. These are people trying to stop the Empire, and they go about it completely two different ways. And that is so much fun to recognize and it's fun to recognize that this, that it's a gray area, that it's not just, you know, good guy versus bad guy. Are you a good guy? Well, then yeah, we're totally friends. It's like, there's so many different depths and layers to this and the, the amount of risk one person is willing to take in what way versus the other. And that one, that's a fun one. That was the highlight of the show for me of this episode was the conversation between those two. And I, I I just think anytime Stellan shows up, there's, there's a level of gravitas, even though, um, Diego Luna is clearly, clearly doing a wonderful job acting. I mean, like he, he's, you know, he's definitely a leading man for sure in this show, but that conversation was great.
1: Yeah, I I wouldn't say it was like the highlight or necessarily the big, you know, show stealer for me, but I certainly enjoyed it.
0: Yeah, I mean, and overall, I think this was a very uh, necessary episode, but a lot didn't really, really happen. Um, That's not a good or bad thing. I think, you know, I I really I'm enjoying the show 100 percent. Any final thoughts on episode eight?
1: Um, No just kind of you know I think uh, the person we, we keep forgetting about Is uh, Cyril Oh and also I should eat my own words Because last time we talked I said I didn't think he, he would be going back to His home planet And seeing Bix again anytime soon And I stand corrected And I will admit to you that I was wrong And you were right
0: Who cares I'm gonna be <laughs> wrong all the time I don't give a fuck that's not who I am oh. I'm gonna be wrong <laughs> about a lot of shit and you know <laughs> no but i think it's it's really cool to see
1: what's happening with Cyril and the fact that there is what's building up to be what i think is a big juicy plot line and the show is so good that that is like a C plot right now
0: yeah definitely i would agree so moving into something you know we haven't really talked about the day-to-day news in star wars in a really long time because we've been uh, very busy with these shows and talking about the shows and then picking other different topics. But, you know, it's no secret that I have had concerns on how star Wars, uh, particularly the movie division is being run. And I think the, to keep it light and to not like just create this, um, pool of negativity all around, I think all of us listening right now uh, really want a Star Wars movie, and so this article broke out um, from Star Wars Newsnet, and the, the the title of the article is Kathleen Kennedy advised to stop announcing Star Wars projects. Um, more Lucasfilm executive personnel changes possible. Um, so Star Wars News Newsnet writes. Um, Ever since The Rise of Skywalker premiered in theaters 2019, Kathleen Kennedy has announced two live-action Star Wars movies, On May 4th, 2020, the company released an official statement saying that Taika Waititi would be co-writing and directing a new film set in a galaxy far, far away. It's been two and a half years, and the movie is still not written. Later that year, on December 10th, we also announced that Patty Jenkins would be directing Rogue Squadron. Now that project is on the back burner. As a result, Puck News is saying Disney CEO Bob Paycheck... I mean. Chapik um, has advised Kathleen Kennedy to stop announcing projects until they are set in stone to further negative pre- to avoid further negative press surrounding the franchise and the company. Um, this may have been one of the reasons why no film announcements were made at Star Wars Celebration. Um, In an interview published on May uh, but conducted in March, Kathleen said that Lucasfilm would be ready to make a film announcement in two months' time, which would indicate original plans to make a splash at Celebration. For now, it seems like the project's closest to production is the David Lindelof uh, written movie, which we will talk about if we have time a little bit later, uh, which just received a major boost with reports um, with Shareem. Chenoy um, in talks to direct. So basically, um, it, it's as the the main title says. Uh, you know, CEO Bob Cha- Chapek asked her to stop announcing movies, and you know, I'm. It's no secret that I thought that Kathleen Kennedy. I thought she should have stepped down at the end of Rise of Skywalker. Make those not because of the movie, but because make the billions of dollars you know you you're winning right now go when it's a good time you know like come out leave on top you just wrapped up a trilogy you signed on you finished the trilogy leave on top but she wants to stick around and it's it's becoming frustrating for a Star Wars fan like us like we're podcasters we we love star wars we live and breathe it we know a lot about it and it's like even we don't have answers anymore like we just don't we don't know what's going to happen
1: dude i would even take it a step back and say it's not even that we don't have the answers we don't even have the fucking questions like we 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 can't even feel confident bringing up a topic to discuss because of the uncertainty of, is this even a thing? How many conversations have we had now about different potential movies and shows and scripts that just never see the light of day?
0: Yeah. And it's like, uh, we, we had a text thread with Brandon and I posted this article and, and he said, you know, at this point I won't believe the movie's happening until my butt's in the seat. And I would agree with that. And it's, yeah. it's not, I mean, to be honest, I'm thankful that we have these shows to talk about. I'm thankful, I'm really thankful that we have the High Republic to talk about. Um, because for me in the games and the movie division, uh, particularly with the, you know, for me, i am always been a Jedi guy. It's no secret, everybody knows that. And I just feel like there, I just feel like there's not, a lot of that output going on in star Wars when it comes to like everything that I get excited for gets turned down and it's starting to get really defeating. Like the Knights of the Old Republic remake, man, like I was looking forward to that. Like I would have taken a week off of work to play that game and that's gone. That's not happening right now. It's on the back burner. The D the D D old Republic stuff. That's on the back burner. It's hard, and it's not even just Jedi stuff. It's just the simple fact that it's not even fun to talk about Star Wars movies anymore because you don't know if they're actually going to happen, and you have no idea what their their um, take is on these new we don't even know where it's like going to be rumored to be yeah. heading and you know, that was arguably what was fun about being a podcaster like force awakens
1: it's sad because i remember when uh what's the game the eclipse trailer came out and oh yeah Drew kept kind of like reminding us like guys look games are different than movies you know like even though there's a trailer we still might not hear any more about this game for like four years and that's that's kind of how the movies have been lately
0: yeah, and, and you know, it's like even that game come out with a stunning trailer, blows everybody away, and that game got canceled. Mm-hmm. I mean or on indefinite hold. It's like anything that I've been excited about has just been squandered.:
1: So and here's then, here's my question to you, because I had said this to, to Brandon, and I think uh, he disagreed. You kind of remained silent on it. I think it is a marketing issue. I think Disney's marketing team needs to get their ass in gear and say, this is the schedule. We will announce things when this happens, we will release things when this happens and this far out. But right now it's like marketing is okay with everyone just going off and saying whatever they want to say and there's no real unified front. And there seem to, because of how many times it's happened, be no repercussions. Like this is a this is a corporate marketing issue.
0: Um I okay, so it is a uh, something issue with things leaking because it's not just to be fair. It is not just Kathleen Kennedy. It's not like Kathleen Kennedy is just releasing these onslaughts of bulletins every day. Like we're getting the Taika movie. We're getting this movie. We're getting that movie. We're getting this. Like some of these are being leaked via, like via Hollywood reporter variety deadline. Like these are getting like leaked. Some of the stuff is getting leaked, which is the, you know, the, the, the Damon Lindelof stuff is the stuff that's getting linked out. She did announce the you know the Patty Jenkins and the Taika Waititi yeah. stuff. And oh, yeah. that's not a marketing thing. I mean, at least to me, it's not it's not. No, it's a Kathleen Kennedy. Is because thing.
1: no 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 no. No, it is a marketing thing. Because I can tell you as someone who works at a very, very, very large corporation. So so explain it to me then. So, because I mean, of the format in which it was announced, it was you know there's been some stuff that is announced at investors meetings, and that's different. She announces things at D22. She announces things at all these different conferences and in front of in public speaking. You do not get that greenlit without market approval. There's no way. Even
0: if you're the CEO.
1: Even if you're the CEO, you have to get things. And again, because it has happened so many times, that's how you know. Because it's one thing for the CEO to get up and and address it, but then you have the VP of marketing coming at you saying, here are the processes, right? The same way you have branding guidelines. You have processes for all of this.
0: Okay. I mean, you you have more of a background than I do, but even then, she's still CEO and she should... I mean, she should... Then look at marketing and be like, "Hey, my this is what I'm set to speak uh, about the other day, or to, or tomorrow. I can't speak about this." Yeah, and like, honestly,
1: I think I think that is why she still has the job because I think that she is in a way a figurehead and a scapegoat. I think creatively, she makes amazing decisions, and I think that because how many times have things got announced that we've been hyped about? You know, it was as ceo and as the the creative person in the room it was her decision to bring d Dion on in the first place
0: but it was also it probably was- her decision to get rid of them that's my problem with her is she's super reactionary and it's no secret like that's
1: a valid that's a that's a more valid it's,
0: it's no secret and i i again i don't mean to like dig but like when you look at this It's super reactionary. Like Colin Trevorrow's, like I know that I love the um, the Colin Trevorrow script. I probably will. Like you know, it's always good to look at the whatever. Colin Trevorrow uh, had a script ready to go. Then he comes out with Book of Henry, which was a mixed bag for people. Mm -hmm. Um, You know, which is like a little love letter, independent film he wanted to do in between. Now he's not doing Star Wars. D&D get announced to do Star Wars before the end of Game of Thrones season. Now they're not. Now they've had some scapegoat deal with Netflix that they still haven't had anything brought out to Netflix so far. So there you go. Taika Waititi, or uh, Patty Jenkins, is a rock star because of Wonder Woman, how she made Wonder Woman. She became a rock star. And so they announced it. And then a month and a half later... What happens? Wonder Woman 2 comes out, a lot of people don't like it, and then we start hearing about this project getting pulled or that she's just scheduling conflicts for the Cleopatra Cleopatra film which is total bullshit anytime somebody says scheduling conflicts it's bullshit in hollywood because they know this stuff months and months and months out taika waititi let's get taika because he just got uh oscar for writing jojo rabbit absolutely he's amazing look at his mandalorian chapter he's awesome and he's in with john favreau yeah let's go get him thor love and thunder comes out mixed bag haven't heard shit about
1: because I don't think it was for Taika. I will say this. I don't think it was the movie. I think it is morality clause. Honestly, what do you mean? Because they didn't drop him when that movie came out. They st- or I will not say drop him because we don't know that yet, but they stopped touting it when the, um, the whole threesome pictures started to come out yeah but that and disney to the best of my to the best of my knowledge though disney still has i gotta check i think disney still has a morality clause
0: yeah but he's still taika with like and it's still like one of the it's still like one of those things where thor love and thunder comes out and you know, he's talked, he's talked about it in interviews. People asked him while he was marketing Thor Love and Thunder. He's like, oh yeah, I'm still, I'm still writing it right now. I'm working on it, blah, blah, blah. And you would think like, everybody thinks, you know, well, he needs, he's there to to promote Thor Love and Thunder. So he can't like sit here and talk about Star Wars all day. And so everybody thought like once that movie gotten passed, then we would start hearing stuff because, you know, it's a next project in line. And we heard nothing, and we have heard nothing. And we still don't know anything. And now we're getting Damon Lindenloff, who, um, you know, has a mixed bag. On his writing, um, a lot of stuff that I really, really love by him, like love by him, and a lot of stuff that's meh. But he is coming off of a big victory in the HBO series Watchmen. I mean, Watchmen won a bunch of awards, and I'm a big Watchmen fan. Um, and I think the TV series, which is a sequel to the comic, not the movie, was absolutely phenomenal and completely well-written and smart and beautiful. I
1: gotta be honest, I'm checking his uh, IMDb now. I'm curious because when you said a lot of stuff that you're eh about, I can't think of anything I'm eh about. I just love him. What is there that you're not a uh, crazy hot on?
0: Well, let me look that let me pull up what you let me pull up his IMDb um, because I I'm just getting the Star Wars articles. Oh, Cowboys and Aliens. Yeah, so like, when it comes to him, he he did Lost. He was part of that. Uh, he did the Leftovers, which is really good writing. He did, but the thing is, you know, he did Tomorrowland. He did Cowboys and Aliens. You know, there's there's some mixed stuff on there, um, but there's also some really good stuff like World War Z, which he had come came back to help fix. Prometheus is my favorite. I love Prometheus. Yeah, Prometheus is my favorite of like the Alien series, um, aside from Aliens. Um, well, no, that's not true. I thought Pr- Prometheus is very important to me and special as a movie because I really loved where they took that franchise and introducing the idea of the engineers. And that's why when they came out with Alien Covenant, which he had no part of, I was so upset that how they had treated the basic prometheus sequel and was just trying to get back to more alien movies but yeah i mean there's a lot of stuff about him that i really love and he has a very original take on things and i think it's a good idea but it's no secret like on paper this guy's coming off of a win and you know if if i were working in star wars right now and I'm coming off of a win, I would not release a single dang thing with my name on it until my film's done shot and going up because if there's any kind of blood, it's going to get knocked down. And that's just the way it is. It's just been reactionary. And I'm not yeah. just But primary. this
1: I think the the whole point of the article like I totally agree with, I'm just like stop saying shit.
0: Yeah, because like I don't even want to hear it anymore. Like yeah. I, I I don't even care um And that sounds really bad, but that's kind of where everybody's at. Like, I don't care about what shows are happening until they're actually getting filmed. I don't want to hear about it anymore because I'm tired of getting excited for stuff like, you know, we've been fortunate to hear casting, consistent casting calls for the Acolyte. So we know that show's doing Mm -hmm. good, but it's like, you know, a certain amount of time goes without hearing something about the Acolyte. And it's like, oh, fuck, is this thing getting pulled? is this getting pulled? Because this is the one thing that I'm really looking forward to. Oh, I would be devastated. I would be devastated too. And that's just kind of where it's, it's been now. Did I need a rogue squadron movie? No, I didn't need it. Patty Jenkins doing it though. sounds like a great Mm -hmm. idea. I'm, I'm like totally on board with it. Um, you know, just, it's been hard to get excited about stuff. And I, and I completely agree as much as I don't really care for, bob chapek the disney ceo um and a lot of the f- awful moves he's made um as well he's as disney he's CEO. Like a park guy for sure and he also fucked up the parks too because the parks have some really dumb shit too if you actually go there there's a bunch of dumb shit that they do in the parks and that aren't enjoyable and not to mention all the price hikes of the parks themselves and eliminating the passes just to introduce different passes. And there's a lot of stuff. It's not just Disney parks. It's how he's handled the Scarlett Johansson stuff. Anyway, that's a different podcast, but this on him is a smart move. And, you know, I hope that I hope it, you know, get somewhere. And, you know, at this point I'm not even I'm not even gonna rant about, you know, Kathleen Kennedy needs to leave and we need to introduce blah 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 blah. I think it's very hard to replace Kathleen Kennedy, even though I don't love what she's particularly done with Star Wars she's hard to replace because she knows the business side and she's a creative producer. Those are hard to find. And that's mm-hmm. why it's important to look at this baller ass move that DC's doing because it's hard to find a Kevin Feige, Kevin Feige. Mm-hmm. Oh, that's another movie that got announced that we haven't heard shit about that he's producing oh. one. Uh, but you know, that's not even fair because he, he's a busy guy anyway. Like his mm-hmm. movies might just naturally mm-hmm. take years, but that's why the, it's an interesting move with DC now be, being its own studio under Warner Brothers. And when you look at the breakdown, it's like you have this Kevin Feige who runs all of Marvel because he knows the creative side and the business side. You have Kathleen Kennedy running the creative and the business side, even though she's probably on helping Star Wars more on the business side than the creative side because she's not a fan. Like You're not going to talk to Kathleen Kennedy about Darth Bane for two hours. You're just not, she no. like you're just not, and that's not that's, a, a fair, that, fair that's not a necessity. You don't have to be a fan, but you <laughs> should be able to know your audience at least. And I, I don't feel like she's done that. But the the interesting thing is within all of this, when it comes to getting a new studio head, is James Gunn and um, Peter Safran taking over DC Studios. And what's interesting about that is when. Is James Gunn is a film director. He's a creative. He loves comics. Like um, you know, he actually reads these things. And and I've heard that he has more like he's an encyclopedia for comics. He's a huge old Republic fan, which is a funny thing that I know. But he's a creative. But then you have Peter Safran, who is on the business side, dealing with you know producing these movies, getting these movies made, um, making them happen. And I think it's interesting that you have that because when people say a lot of Star Wars fans, when they're talking about who would take over, it's always Dave Filoni. And it's like Dave Filoni doesn't know the half of running a fucking business. He's a creative. He doesn't and I don't know think anything. he wants to. No, he does not want to. He hmm. wants to be able to make the stories, which is why this DC move is so interesting. Because it is a creative... Working alongside a producer. And I think that should be like our next move because really all you got when it comes to Star Wars is Jon Favreau. Like he's your only guy that we know of right now that could do both because he's done both. And it doesn't seem like he wants to do both.
1: Yeah. I think he I likes think he where both. he's at. Yeah, he has the freedom to do whatever he wants and he doesn't have to report it to investors and and worry about stock price and all that bullshit so of course he won't it's
0: it's just it's very interesting um and i i think us as star wars fans um i i think that you should keep an eye out for dc um and what this james gunn and peter Safran um partnerships looks like over the next four years and how they do, because I think it's reflective on, uh, you know, the movie business. And I think it could also be reflective on the star Wars, um, business as well. I mean, it's no secret that Dave Filoni is, I, in my opinion, Dave Filoni has only gotten way better now that he's surrounded himself with brilliant filmmakers because he has another side to him. He's a creative and he's learning a lot of new things. And I, I, you know, I, the
1: technology, I mean, really like him and Favreau though, are the dream team because Faloni has the storytelling and Favreau has the tech for it.
0: It's, and two, if he doesn't have it, to making. make coins. it. It's two coins, hmm. you know, it's, it's, well, it's one a, coin. I'm, yeah. Two sides of the same <laughs> coin. And it's, it's beautiful to watch. So I think everybody should be paying attention to this DC stuff. I mean, I'm, I'm paying attention to this DC stuff because I, you know, while I absolutely obsess over Marvel and the MCU, I am a DC boy, like number one, like my DC is my shit. And seeing the James Gunn announcement was a huge day for me. Like I actually blew up threads talking about it because it is just so awesome. And I think it's interesting to break down what it actually looks like.
1: Yeah, no, it's definitely something to keep your eye on, but all in all, they, like they said, gotta stop announcing shit.
0: Absolutely. And with that, we're going to stop this episode of (laughs) Synth Talk. Uh, There's some more stuff about David Lindelof and, and rumored, you know, plans of, maybe where his writing's going That you know, we we will get to another time when maybe we get a little bit more, um, stuff. And it's like we said, where it's not fun speculating about shit until it's really on the dotted line. But with that being said, guys, you got another episode of Sith talk. Um, where can you find Sith talk? Well, how'd you find us now? Um, probably under the clashing sabers podcast feed. Um, you can also check out our Facebook group, the clashing sabers, uh, group under Facebook. You can follow us on Instagram, Twitter, and you can find me at sit talker 25 talking really just home gym stuff right now because i'm just in love with all that stuff so i haven't really been posting anything outside um doing home gym shit and banging my head to ridiculously heavy music because i can and nobody's going to judge me because it's not i'm not at planet fitness or anywhere else i'm in my own place um Uh, But you follow me at Talker 25 Lindsay, where can they find you? And also tell us more about Clashing Sabers.
1: Yeah, you guys can find me over on the Clashing Sabers Network Facebook group. Be sure to tag me in any posts if you want to uh, chat about anything. You can also find me on a show that I mentioned earlier right here on your Clashing Saber feed on any major uh, podcast catcher, Don't Burn the Sacred Text, where Brandon and I go through all of the uh, new canon books that are coming out. But most importantly, uh, I would love if you could hop over to our Patreon for clashing savers, because aside from just a podcasting network, we are first and foremost, a nonprofit organization. And when I say nonprofit, I really do mean it. Every single penny we make goes directly to our cause, which is getting books in the hands of students throughout the country. Um so any school or school library or classroom, we like to get our hands on as many books as possible and make sure that those kids have the stories that kept us going as we were growing up. Um, even if you cannot financially support us, feel free to head over to clash and And if you know of a teacher or a school that could use some of these resources, please feel free to
0: nominate them. And with that being said, guys, may the force be with you.
1: Always.